Section 7 of A Scientific and Practical Treatise on American Football for Schools and Colleges by Henry L. Williams and Amos Alonzo Stagg. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section 7. The Quarterback As popular opinion has always assigned the snapback's position to the largest man on the eleven, so likewise has it given the quarterback's position to the smallest man. There is less reason in having the smallest man quarterback than the largest player at center. Indeed, there is no question that a swift, agile man of 160 or 170 pounds would be the most useful quarterback if his other qualifications are equal. The trouble is that the man of such a weight, who was qualified to fill the quarterback's position, would be the man who would be most needed at tackle or end, or as a running back. There is rarely more than one man with these qualifications on the best teams, while there are usually several men of sufficient speed and agility among the candidates, who perhaps could not be useful in any other position, and yet are too skillful players to lose. The result is that on University Elevens the quarterback is usually a man who weighs from 140 to 155 pounds, is agile and swift, is a hard worker, with great endurance and unlimited pluck. Well, does he need all of these qualities, for he must always be in the thick of the fight. No play can take place from a scrimmage without his being a medium in its execution, not only in the passing of the ball, but also, if he does his duty, in assisting the runner on his way up the field. Not that he runs ahead of the runner every time, for he is unable to go in front on some plays, but he can always get behind to push if the runner is stopped or to block off those who try to tackle him from the rear. The quarterback's position demands a peculiarly heady player at the same time that it calls for agility and quickness. No other player on the eleven is forced to do as much thinking and planning while in the midst of most skillful and invaluable work. He has no chance to soldier, either mentally or physically, as the rest of the eleven may do, to a limited extent, occasionally during the progress of the game if so disposed. His brain must be as clear as his muscles are quick and steady. He has to translate with absolute exactness every signal which is given, and as accurately carry it out by forwarding the ball in the most advantageous manner possible to the player who is to receive it. On no account, then, must a man be selected for this position who is inclined to become rattled, for the position itself is enough to render unsteady the coolest man. When the quarterback is appointed to give the signals for the play, a new duty emphasizes the importance of his being a heady player, for he then is made the general of the game. By having this duty to perform, the chances for his making a mistake in giving the ball to the wrong player are perhaps slightly decreased, but the demand for clever judgment and shrewdness in field tactics more than offsets this. The quarterback must know no physical fear. He must be fearlessly unconscious that there are several opponents almost within reach of him who are doing their utmost to fall upon him. No nervousness must enter into his work, else he is not the man for the position. In assuming his position on a down, the quarterback is allowed considerable freedom. Some players prefer to receive the ball close up to the center rusher and then move away as they pass it on to the runner. Others take a position between the two, just as far away as is possible, while still being able to reach the center conveniently for giving the signal. The quarterback who plays close up to the center renders himself liable to be interfered with in his pass by the opposite center and guards, who may reach over to check his play. 
At the same time, he cannot so well take part in the interference on end plays. On the other hand, the quarterback who takes his position far behind the center is limited in some of his plays. He can be of more assistance, perhaps, in helping on the end plays, but it will be impossible for any of the guards and tackles to run with the ball with any chance of gaining ground, because they will have to run so far behind the line to receive the ball that they will easily be tackled. When the quarterback takes this position, he will have to give the signal in some other way than that usually followed. It has been customary for the quarterback to press the calf of the center rusher's leg, or some other part of his body, with his thumb when he is ready for the ball, but there are reasons why some other signal would be better at times, and the giving of the signal would be of little moment if there is to be a decided advantage gained by playing so far behind the center. It is accepted as the best way for the quarterback, in playing his position, to stand bent over, at arm's length from the center, with his eyes fixed on the ball. He has already learned the position of the player who was about to receive the ball as he glanced around at his team when the signal for the play was given. The instant that he gives the signal for the ball to come back, he turns quarter round, throwing his right or left foot well behind for a brace, according as he wishes to pass the ball to the right or left. The quarterback must not take his final position for receiving the ball before the signal for the ball to come back is given. Otherwise, the opponents will have time to study out his method of passing for the different plays and can guess in what direction the run will be made. It is all done so quickly in the other case that there will be no time to anticipate the play. The quarterback should never give his private signal for the ball until the captain has given the signal for the play, and then only after he comprehends it himself. In a well-drilled eleven, the quarterback understands the signal for a play the instant it is given and yet it is not a rare occurrence in important games for signals to be mixed or the key numbers to be left out. In that case, the quarterback should not signal for the ball until the signal for the play is made plain or a new one given. It is now a common practice for the quarterback to give the signals for the play himself, whether he is captain or not. This has grown out of the fact that he is in one of the best positions for observing the whole field, and also because he will no longer need to interpret the signal after it is given, but can call for the ball as soon as he thinks best. This facilitates the play somewhat and lessens the liability of making mistakes in translating the captain's signal. There are three styles of passing a ball used by quarterbacks. Two of these make use of only one arm in forwarding the ball, one by an overhand and straight-arm movement especially valuable for passing long distances, but too slow for ordinary use the other by an underhand pitch with an easy, natural swing of the arm. This latter style is the quickest of the three, for no time is lost in raising the arm into a position for delivering the ball. This pass supplements the movement of the ball along the ground most quickly and naturally. In the third style of passing, both hands and arms are used, and it is closely allied to the one-arm underhand pass. This ensures accuracy, but places limitations on the distance the ball can be thrown. It is commonly used in all short passing. It would be of great advantage if a quarterback could pass accurately with either hand. In receiving the ball from the center, the quarterback should stop it with the hand which corresponds to the leg already placed behind for a brace, and immediately adjust the other hand to it for a pass. This is done by placing one end squarely in the hand from which the pass is to be made and spreading out the fingers. The hand should then be bent at the wrist until the ball rests against the forearm. The ball is now in a position for a pass. 
care should be taken to have the hand squarely behind the ball, also to have the long axis of the ball parallel with the forearm. The easiest way to make a long pass is to swing the arm at full length just below the level of the shoulder. The quarterback must need give considerable time to practicing all parts of his work in receiving, handling, and passing the ball. It is no easy matter to receive the ball as it comes bounding back from the center rusher and adapt it to the hands for accurate passing while quickly turning into position to deliver it to the runner, but it is not necessary for the quarterback to do this in order not to be interfered with by the rushers who break through the line and also not to delay the runner. It requires long practice also to be able to handle the ball and be off the instant the ball is in the hands but it is an achievement which enables the quarterback to be of great service in end interference, unless, however, there is the most skillful handling of the ball. It is impossible for the quarterback to get ahead of the runner without delaying him. It requires much practice to be able to do quick and accurate passing, to be able to place the ball at just the right distance ahead of the runner and at just the right height and at just the right speed, so that he shall not be delayed an instant and can give his whole thought to running and dodging. Too great stress cannot be laid upon quick work by the quarterback. It means success or defeat to some of the plays. At the same time, the quarterback must be exceedingly careful in handling and passing the ball. It is better to be a little slow than to be quick and unsteady. He must never become excited and lose his self-control, for that would be disastrous to all careful work, and also would be likely to cause him to make mistakes and signals. On all dashes through the center, it is better for the quarterback to make short passes of the ball at the runner's waist. The ball must not be passed fast, and it must be most accurately placed, for the runner is bent over for a plunge and is not in a position to handle it, unless on a slow and accurate pass. These points are worthy of the most careful consideration, for most of the fumbling by the halfbacks is due to poor passing. What would ordinarily be an excellent pass if the halfback were at some distance would be a poor one when he is coming forward at full speed, with his body somewhat bent at the waist, and his attention partly on the ball and partly on the opening he is to take. In this case, also, a high pass is harder to catch than a low one, because the hands will have to be raised quickly from their position at the waist. The quarterback should also use the greatest care in his pass to the fullback for a kick, for a poor pass will most likely result in the opponents stopping the kick and securing the ball on four downs, if not on a fumble. The fullback can kick most quickly when the ball is passed at his waist. Some quarterbacks prefer to hand the ball to the runner as he dashes by, whenever that is possible. This method, without a doubt, is best when the guard or tackle runs around for a plunge through the line between center and guard, or guard and tackle, on the other side of the center. In this case, the quarterback will turn half around with his back to the center rusher, the ball being held by the ends between the extended hands. In most other cases, an advantage is gained by passing the ball, because the quarterback will not be in danger of being tackled by the opposing rushers or quarterback as they break through the line, and also because he will be free after his pass to give his whole attention to helping the runner. He may do this either by going through the opening and pulling the runner after him, by grasping him and going through with him, by shoving him hard when he strikes the line, or by jumping into an opponent who has broken through in the path of the runner. Occasionally it may be better to hand the ball to the runner when the quarterback runs out to the side to interfere for him, but even in that case, 
a short pass usually facilitates the play because the quarterback can run faster and do better interference when free from the ball it is of great assistance in getting into the interference on end plays for the quarterback to be able to pass the ball accurately on the run for every fraction of a second counts in making a helpful connection on the defense the quarterback usually hovers in the rear of the center and guards watching his opportunity to go through and tackle the opposing quarter or halfbacks a powerful style of defensive play has now however been largely adopted in which the quarterback takes a position behind one of the tackles while the halfback is brought up to a corresponding position behind the other tackle they there await the play without attempting to go through on the instant the ball is snapped and as the line of their opponents separates for the play the one on whose side of the center the opening is made dives into it to meet the runner before he can strike the line he must know just when to go through the line and when to wait in order to see where to meet the play also through which opening in the line to go in order to best check the play some shrewd guessing can be done which will help determine this by noting all the signs of the direction of the play spoken of in the chapter on team play the center and guards and sometimes the tackles should help the quarterback find his opening and assist him in getting through the quarterback should always be helped through when the opposing team is going to kick since it will be much easier for him to go through quickly on account of his size and quickness in starting if the rushers and the quarterback work together on the defense the latter can be a most valuable adjunct to their play because he is free to move anywhere when a runner is checked or tackled the quarterback as indeed all the eleven should endeavor to pull the ball out of his hands before he calls down the quarterback often has a good chance to do this when the runner is entangled in a mass End of section 7